Welcome to Care Talk, America's home for incisive debate about healthcare business and policy. I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group. And I'm John Driscoll, the CEO of CareCentrics. David, what questions do we have to answer this week for our audience? Well, John, this is a funny one because uh, you'd think that the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, would have a leader at this point, you know, but it's, it's uh, eight plus months into the Biden presidency, but nobody has been nominated to run the Food and Drug Administration. What do you think of that? You're picking on Biden unnecessarily. I mean, come on. They only regulate all of food, all of drugs, all of devices. And it's not like we're in the middle of like a massive pandemic or anything. I mean, the the whole approval of drugs and therapeutics, I mean, everything to do with this pandemic runs through the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, as does our food supply, which has been stressed at a lot of different levels. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's a little bit of a surprise, but whether you're talking about therapeutics, the drugs that the monoclonal antibodies and others that can help people who get sick get better fast, the, uh, the vaccines themselves, the devices that deliver the vaccines. Oh yeah, and testing, testing, the testing that we're not doing that we didn't approve, that the CDC bungled. All of those tests also run through the FDA, let alone all of these incredibly important, really truly life-changing oncology drugs, the new biologics, um, CRISPR, tobacco. I mean, just the, 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 the remit of the Food and Drug Administration is huge. It, now, it's really odd that they don't have a leader. You know, John, as you're saying all the things that are that are regulated by the FDA, it's something like three trillion dollars worth of the uh, uh, worth of the economy. It's like twenty. It's like- oh, I think I think it's more. I think I think it's more. It's it's you know it's all food, all drugs, all devices. Okay, and it's going to grow. Well, that's I'm just quoting from them, but that's fine. But you know their budget is only six billion dollars. It's actually less than one percent of the budget of the Defense Department. And interestingly, uh, just over half of it is funded by the federal government, but forty five percent or so is actually paid by u- industry user fees. So it's a very different. I mean, imagine if the uh, defense department, if, if if defense contractors had to pay to to, to subsidize the, the the staff at the at the Pentagon, <laughs> I, I think they'd be very happy to do that. I wasn't going to go that way, John, but but yeah, but it's it's, it's so it's an interesting well, budget. But, but so, think, but 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 think about it, so, D- David. That actually does make some sense. I mean, tobacco, which we know harms kids and adults and everyone, um, but is a personal choice. Uh, there should be user fees for those those those, those costs that they create to um, to uh, to regulate it in a safer way. The the, the device companies, the J and Js, and the large manufacturers um, are making a lot of money off of these medical devices once they get into the market. To have to pay some element of a of a of an access fee to support the the really critical research for safety and efficacy that the FDA does across all medical devices makes a ton of sense. Um, I I think that these this massive industry certainly with their massive margins has the ability to invest a little bit and support the appropriate regulation and management of their, their of their development process. I mean, I don't think you should be sticking the average taxpayer with those costs when the, the, the different companies are the winners. I mean, where, where are you going with that one? Well, John, you know, it's, a, it's about $10 per, uh, per person uh, that the FDA costs. It's not very much. I think that the, the background on the funding is that 
uh, it, it was put in place so that the FDA would be able to hire more reviewers that would speed up the reviews. I, I think it's neither neither here nor there on that one. But why is it, you know, why is it that the FDA doesn't have a head? They've, they've got actually an acting director, acting commissioner, Janet Woodcock, who's been at FDA for a long time. And a lot of people thought that she was going to be the nominee, uh, but that's not happening. Well, I think the most important thing, David, is not um, to focus on on the personnel. It's really to realize that this is a this is this is effectively wartime from a pandemic perspective, and we've got a critical general that's not clearly in charge. And anyone who's acting, Janet Woodcock's a a longtime FDA executive. She's very highly regarded. There's clearly some ambiguity about whether she's going to get the job because otherwise you'd logically nominate her. But it's not like we don't have other candidates, but that job is a critical one. And I think we ought to, we ought to, there should be more public pressure to actually fill that job. I mean, one of the things that the United States government doesn't do well is provide quick and easy access to approvals for anything other than the absolute top jobs. And I don't know whether it's the politics of the White House or the politics in the Senate, but for whatever reason, we don't even have an, a, a, an announced nominee. And again, we're in the middle of war. It's just it, 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 a public health war. And we need that 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 seat filled. John, let's give one uh, tangible and a near-term example of why you need somebody running the FDA right now. So on this topic of vaccine boosters, right, there's a lot of confusion and different um, different opinions within the government. Typically, FDA would be really leading the way on that. Um, but instead, you've got the CDC and the NIH kind of stepping into that. You know, NIH knows more about kind of like the, the basic science, but they don't know as much about drug development. CDC, but but because Tony Fauci's there, NIH has been has been prominent. CDC, uh, you know, does the public health um, side of things, and FDA would usually be more prominent here. And then with an acting person, you can't you can't do it as well. And in fact, two of the leaders in the vaccines role are actually retiring from FDA because I think they feel they are being pushed around. Um, by the White House, so this is a challenge, and it's partly of the White House's I, own I, making. I, 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 you know, I, 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 you get really into this beltway back and forth, and who cares about what and this agreement. This is as we go through COVID, there will be more and more information, and I think the healthy debate about who gets a booster and when, what data is used. I actually think that the White House pushing. Um, the FDA or the CDC, the CDC pushing back is actually a healthy sign of a democracy of not just uh, the, the the will of the people, but of an o- open reflection of the ideas and data to so that we get the right public health decision. I don't I don't blame the acting for the back and forth on that decision, and I think people make retirement decisions for any number of reasons, but there's no question that we need a clear head for of the FDA in place as soon as possible because there's an entire organization of I don't know how how many people work in the FDA now. 18,000, 18, John. 18,000 and they cover so many different areas. There's really important stuff going on with CRISPR and oncology research, cancer research. Um, regulatory decisions on e-cigarettes that are that are coming right now and without a leader you can't organize that group to make a clear decision. The back and forth on the boosters, I think we have to give some room for the scientists to disagree and disagree about the data and argue it out so that we have some transparency around decisions, not have some 
sort of faux oracle like you telling people what the decision is and not explaining the process. The foracle, John. And and, and the process is going to be, and the the process is by nature going to have some back and forth. But that's separate and above the question that this is a critical part of government. It has been since the the passing of the bill in 1906. I mean, we- Yes, you remember it well, John. Led the, let, let, Led the, it was a great year. I mean, I miss I miss Teddy Roosevelt, uh, but the the whole the, the beginning of the Republican progressive movement, which showed that government could be a partner to industry, regulate it, and keep food and drugs safe. We we really it's it's one of the foundational reasons why our drugs and devices are some of the most successful and broadly used in the world. Um, and and to not have a a, a leader of that. Uh, is not just going to it's not just going to be a political problem about who gets appointed and what decision it's really it'll it it changes the the speed and effectiveness of government to partner with healthcare the healthcare industry frankly to drive and manage innovation in a way that's in the best interest of the american public and it's it's uh it's embarrassing honestly that uh a president that really wants to reinforce the fact that government can work uh, has not a, has not made a a, a final appointment uh, in a part of the government that really does work pretty effectively. So, John, it's really important um, for all the people that are career officials at FDA and scientists there to have strong leadership. It's important for morale. I know you hate the inside the Beltway stuff, but I actually grew up inside the Beltway, as you know. And uh, my the uh, the the son of the FDA commissioner at the time, Frank Young, was actually the uh, co captain of the wrestling team with my brother. And we saw actually a lot of tension between people who were working. Where, this is this is Where's, really this is way off piece. Yeah. Where are we going here? So the thing is, there was tension between the politically appointed leadership of FDA and other government agencies under Reagan administration, and certainly now uh, with the people that were on the career and the career folks. And we saw that in our uh, in our high school. Is my point. So I think we need actually a strong leader because the government employees are really being beaten down. You know, it's everybody forgot. I guess the government shutdown. Uh, that uh, was needlessly caused during the Trump administration. I think there may be another one uh, that's coming. Um, and we need somebody that's going to be strong. So, John, you, you, you do a lot of criticism of me here, and you say that you need a strong leader. So clearly you're not uh, nominating me for the FDA, and if nominated, I, you know, I would not serve in any case, just to make that clear. Uh, but, I mean, who do you have in mind? We should, we should, we should, um, well, let's, let's, let's come up with our own shortlist. Um, Vivek Murphy, the current Surgeon General, has deep experience as a clinician, and he was the Surgeon General in the prior administration. You could immediately probably put him in and appoint him. Um, he's got obviously the support of the White House. I think he'd be he'd be he clearly have the White House's support. And having the White House's support is would be great. Uh, another logical one would be Scott Gottlieb, who's got a great book out on the pandemic and what we should do differently. He was a Trump appointee. It would be very hard for the Republicans to oppose him. And again, I think you could. Ask for any of these people, Peggy Hamburg, Margaret Hamburg, who served on the Obama administration, well-regarded, both sides of the aisle, a uh, great bench scientist who was involved in HIV research, would work well probably with uh, Dr. Fauci, who's deeply involved there. Um, I think any of those three, someone who's in Washington in place, someone who might be able to be convinced to return to Washington in the case of Dr. Scott Gottlieb. Or uh, it probably still lives in Washington, uh, Dr. Peggy Hamburg. Any of them would be great. But I think what you want is someone who has experience in the job, um, is a noted clinical leader, and can immediately not 
learn on the job. We are, again, at war. It's a public health war, and we need someone who we need a, a leader who is not going to have to, you know, figure out their way to the bathroom for the first six months of the job, but but has experience in DC, has a deep clinical background, and has the respect of not just the clinical side, but the political side, because I think that ultimately solving this pandemic and coming up with public health solutions is going to be as much of a political solution to get to align the different voices around a sensible public health policy as it is a clinical job. So I, I, I would go to um, the usual suspects, the people who've done the job or the people who are already in, in the mix in Washington in a senior leadership position. John, I know we're supposed to disagree on the show. I more or less agree with you. I'll add one more name to the list. Joshua Sharfstein, who was the deputy uh, previously uh, at FDA and is now he's in Maryland as the head of the Health and Human Services there. So that would be another one uh, that could be good, assuming you're not available, John, because I know you're too he, modest he, for the do, role. Josh, no, jo- Josh, it, no, Josh. Josh would not be. John, you I worked would, at FDA. You did, weren't you? Like an intern there, like a coffee boy. I was. I was. I was a. I was a. I was a, an entrepreneur in residence for the Obama administration, helping on uh, advise on some uh, new innovation tracks for the Device Bureau. But I, no, I, I, I. My and my and my brief experience with the FDA as a part-time appointee during the Obama administration just gave me a sense of the absolute um, pristine clinical uh, and analytical talents of that department, but every department needs to be led. And, and I just hope they can pick, you, you can even nominate somebody else, David, if you'd like, but Josh Sharfstein would be great because he's very involved in the public health response in Maryland, which has actually done a pretty good job in, um, and, and, and again, be having been the deputy in the FDA would actually know the, you know, the complexity and the breadth and the reach of this, of this incredible um, department. All right, John, well, I'll say in closing here, let's hope that FDA gets a, permanent commissioner appointed soon, nominated soon, and that actually the government does not shut down and is able to continue along because uh, clearly we need the government to do its job if we are going to try to keep the pandemic under control, bring it down, manage it. I don't know. And if the office, White House Office of Personnel needs ideas for nominations, they should call you, Dave. Okay, I'll let them. I'll let them know. I, I'm not sure I want my phone number publicized. I'll be ringing off the hook, so to speak. In any case, this is David Williams, president of Health Business Group, unlisted phone number. And I'm John Driscoll, the CEO of CareCentrics. Thanks for listening, and please subscribe.